we need to recognize the difference between him giving us grace because we were obedient and then him giving us grace because he's kind and he's trying to lead us towards repentance. There's a limit to what he can give those who are disobedient and unrepentant. And that's not to say that like we drop into this weird prosperity gospel thing, because I don't believe in that stuff, but we do want to be truthful and factual as to what scripture says. Hey guys, welcome to the Outward Conversation podcast. Today, Ronnie is here with me again, and we are going to talk about uh, something that I've been traveling and talking about the past few weeks of just what does it look like to be intentional with the promises of God? And what does it look like to be intentional in our identity? Because if you guys have heard us talk before, you know, identity is kind of the topic that we're going to stay on. No matter what topic we start with, it's going to come back to identity. What I've been thinking and what God's been teaching me is just through the scripture of the woman who was bleeding for 12 years, had the issue of blood for 12 years. And she just had this belief that if she pushed through the crowd and she put her hand on Jesus, that she would be healed. And if we've heard the story, then we know that's exactly what happened. And she was trying to stay hid and she was hoping she could get in, touch Jesus and get out. So she wasn't trying to make a big show of it or make a big, like prideful look at me thing. She was trying to get in and get out. And first off, just the importance of this for her, because with her issue of bleeding, she should not have even been in a crowd of people to start with. So she was putting everything into this one moment of if I don't receive my healing this time, I've lost everything because she wouldn't be let back in public. She would be outcast from society because she's had this problem for 12 years. She, she should know what to do by now. Anywhere that she goes, she would have had to say unclean. So people would stay back from her. So they didn't become unclean as well. So my thought over the past few weeks, and I've been teaching this, but I really wanted to sit down and just talk about this is what does it look like to be intentional with the promises of God? And I know something me and you've talked about multiple times is if we look at scripture, we cannot find anywhere that proves the idea that it is God's will for someone to not be healed. Anyone that came to Jesus for healing received that healing. So we can't prove that there is anything that would say it is God's will for someone to not be healed. But the more I, I think about her story and the way, because we come into the story at the very end on the day that she gets her healing, but we, we have to think that 12 years is such a long time. When I was traveling and speaking about this the past couple of weeks, the average age that I was speaking to was probably 15, 16 years old. So like the idea that 12 years was most of their lives, um, 12 years is a very long time. And I was kind of taking her story and putting it in what I see a lot of churches in our culture and not to say anything bad about the church or to trash talk the church in any way, because that's not the intention here, but to put, to put her story in the churches in our culture, we might hear her say something like, well, I've been to every doctor that I can think of and no one has an answer. I guess God just doesn't want healing for me. 
um, I guess God just doesn't want me to be healed from this. I guess this is just something that I'm supposed to have. Um, and just so many justifications for things that are unbiblical, but we see in this, in this, in this passage that this is not what she believed. She believed that if she could just put her hand on Jesus, that she would receive the healing. Um, and for me, that just kind of sparked the idea of she received her healing that day because she got up out of her house, walked outside, fought her way through a crowd of people and put her hand on Jesus. If she would have stayed at home sitting on her couch, she probably would not have received her healing that day. She had to be intentional about receiving her healing. So when yeah. you think about being intentional with what God has for us, what comes to mind? Um, man, such a great question. Um, and honestly, you did a really good job of explaining all that too. So I think, I think the first thing that comes to mind is knowing God's character and his promises, um, because you can't be intentional about something that you don't know anything about. Definitely. And so I think, um, as you were talking, another story that came to mind was the beggar at the pool of Beth- uh, Bethesda. Yeah. Um, and, uh, how all these people who were crippled waited by the pool to get healed. They were sick. They had diseases. And once a day, an angel would come down from God and, you know, stir the pool up. And whoever got to the pool first was, was the lucky person that got healed. And in that time period, right. Uh, the Jews believed that God still wanted everyone to be healed and to be well. Yeah. They just didn't always know what to do with it when a priest or a prophet couldn't heal them. I think that that is shown very heavily in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. God lays out how he wants his people to be well and to be healed. And he leaves it up to their obedience. Um, you know, I, there's that verse in first or second Corinthians that says the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. And I think I've, I've probably said this before on your podcast, but a lot of the times when we think about the Bible, we come from a very Augustinian Western philosophy about the Bible perspective. And I think we have to move away from that because according to Western philosophies and mythologies, their gods didn't want everyone healed. Yeah. But from a Jewish mindset, if you study the first five books of the Bible and you, you take away the Westernized philosophy um, and you go back to the roots of Judaism, because Jesus is a very Jewish God, right? Yeah. Um, and there are only two books of the Bible that were written by non-Jews, and it was only one guy. It's Luke and Acts. He's the only non-Jewish person to write the Bible. So they had, a, I think they had a very clear idea of the character and nature of God and what he wanted and what his promises were. And so I think the first step would to be to go back when God first reveals himself and see what God is like at the beginning and then see what he's like at the end. Yeah. Because in revelation, it's clear that there's no sickness and disease and he wipes away every tear. And um, I'm not saying that there won't be sickness and disease. And I'm not saying that there won't be tears on this side of eternity. Uh, but I know that, that that's not, always God's intention or his will, yeah. especially when it comes to sickness. Um, yeah. And so being intentional to me looks like figuring out who God is 
knowing what he's like. Yep. I think um, another thing that comes to mind, just kind of along the same vein, is one of the one of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Yeah. And to us, I know it, it sounds like, oh, well, don't say yeah. bad words or ask God to damn anything, right? <laughs> we all thought the same word instantly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, to a Jew, it actually means knowing what God's name is and what it means and yep. then m- misrepresenting his name or not yep. using it properly. Yep. And so one of the names of God is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals me. So if we don't believe that the Lord wants to heal us, but that he's our healer, we're actually using his name in vain Yep. because he's giving us, he's given us this part of his name as access to this part of his character yep. and how majestic and holy uh, his healing power is. And when we don't understand that we walk away from that, or we don't believe that um, we're actually using the Lord's name in vain for sure. And um, it really goes back to his character and who he is. And throughout the entire Bible, he, he spends a large majority of his time defending his character, both to his people because yep. they walk away from him so often, but also to non-believers um, and showing his character to non-believers so that they would come in. I mean, all throughout Genesis, you see how much he, he loves his people that he set aside for himself, right? But he also loves the nations that his people are dwelling in at that time yeah. and blesses them, chooses to keep them around. Um, and so I think the first step to be an intentional, you know, just to <laughs> beat the dead horse is figuring out God's character and his promises. Yeah. What, what does his name mean? Um, and I think, off, that would, sorry, go ahead. Off no, of what you just said, like all this woman would have had was the Torah and the prophets. Like obviously right. she doesn't have access to what we know is like the full scripture today. Like yeah, she was just going off of what she knew about the character of God, which is perfect. And one of the things that we talked about at church this past week is we have such a screwed up view of the character of God mm-hmm. because of this idea that God gives us sickness to teach us something or mm-hmm. um, that God puts us through these bad times to teach us something and not getting the full scope of when God restores something and use it and uses it to his glory, that he does it so completely that in our minds, it could look like he caused the problem in the first place yeah. because when he does restore it, he does it so completely. But even with that said, what kind of character of God do we have in our heads? If we can look at scripture and see things like all good things come from God. And then we attribute cancer to that. We attribute other sickness is is cancer a good thing. And, and, and what we talked about at church was there are people that would that would argue that when Jesus and the 12 were on the boat and Jesus calmed the storm, that the storm was sent by God to teach them something. If the storm was sent by God and Jesus rebuked the storm, Jesus rebuked the father. And that's not the care. They, they were in perfect harmony, scripture says. <laughs> yeah. So therefore, yeah. the storm was not sent by God. 
yeah. the storm was a product of the enemy and Jesus rebuked the storm. In no way yeah. would Jesus re- rebuke something sent from God. So if right. anybody came to Jesus and asked for healing, he'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. Sorry. Your, your sickness actually came from my father. So I can't take that one away. Um, yeah. Come back when you've learned what you're supposed to learn through this. And then we'll talk. Uh, yeah. We don't see that in scripture, but mm-hmm. so many times we don't have that view of the character of God. And I think the biggest problem is we look at more what our culture says about God than what scripture says about God. And I know one of the biggest things in our culture, and I can't stress this enough. And you know, me very teacher mindset oriented, like I don't understand believers that don't get in scripture for themselves. Yeah. Like it makes no sense to me that we have access to scripture and we just trust someone else once a week to tell us something from it. And we don't spend time in it ourselves. Um, So yeah, it's huge that we have to know the character of God, or we have no clue what he's promising us. If we believe that sickness comes from God or that we're supposed to learn something through, you know, whatever it is, it puts all, all the pressure on us. We can't get the healing until we've done what we're supposed to do. That makes the entire point of the cross kind of pointless if it still all depends on what we're supposed to do. So just to fully know the character of God, but um, that also comes back to being intentional. Her, her story of being intentional started way before she attempted to touch Jesus because she had to spend time studying the Torah. She had to spend time studying, knowing the character of God. And she had to, figure out on her own because so many people in, in the time Jesus was on earth did not believe that Jesus was the answer to the prophecy or any of the prophecies. They did not, they thought Jesus was blasphemy or heresy and she had to make her own choice and think, no, this is the son of God. This is the answer to everything that we've been studying. And he has the healing that I need we complain about our kids like learning too much at school or their brains being too overfried uh, from what they're learning and what they're looking at. But we forget that Jews at that time period knew the first five books of the Bible. Yep. They had it memorized from front to back at, by the age of 13. Yeah. Um, you know, and so she would have known, you know, she would have known the character of God. She would have known what God wanted. Um I think about one of the things I was thinking about as you were talking a minute ago was uh, Deuteronomy 28 and Acts 10, 38. In Deuteronomy 28, God very clearly lays out that if you're disobedient to me, these diseases will come upon you. Mm -hmm. Um, He he doesn't explicitly say that they're by his hand. Yeah. Um, Sometimes they are. You know, in scripture, there's, there are very clear moments where it says that God put a disease on somebody, Yeah, but it's, it's few and far in between. Um, but then in the new Testament, we get a better representation of what was happening in the old in Acts 10 38, it says that Jesus was anointed, was sent by God, anointed by the Holy spirit to destroy the works of the devil and heal all who were sick. Um, and so Luke in, in Acts actually links sickness to being oppressed by satan yeah um and his armies and um 
I think we miss that a lot of times. And another thing that we miss a lot because we're scared to talk about demonology and deliverance ministry and uh, demonization is that oftentimes when people were healed, uh, there was a demon cast out too. Yeah. Jesus rebuked something in the process of healing them. Um, After we learn the character of God, after we begin to understand him, I think the second thing that we need to do, and I'm going to push back on an idea that you had just a little bit, because it is God who heals. We, we can't do anything um, to earn our healing necessarily because yeah. um, it's a free gift. It's a part of the atonement. However, God does make it clear that there are sins yes. that, that cause diseases and yes. he will not heal us if we continue in that sin. Because yes, I do definitely agree were, with that. And I was hoping we yeah. got to that too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so we can't come at it from a workspace mentality, but we can come at it from like the idea of have we truly repented enough to see healing manifest? Yes. Because if we repent, we, we change, we don't just change the way that we think we, we change our attitude, our mindset and our behaviors for sure. And if and, we take that from a completely spirit, like if like people are like, what are you talking about? So we take spiritual things out of it for now. And yeah. let's say that you're praying God, heal me from high blood pressure, heal me from high cholesterol, but I'm still going to eat McDonald's every day. Yeah. That's not probably not. (laughs) That's not God saying that he's not going to heal you. That's you choosing to not receive a healing. Yeah. Like we can't continue doing things that we know are contradictory to the character of God. That goes back to what you were saying about taking God's name in vain. So yes, I completely agree with that point. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I I think that's something that we don't like to look at because we talk so much about grace being a free gift, but it was free for us, but it still cost God something. Yeah. You know, like, and it cost him the life of Jesus and he knew Jesus was going to come back. Right. He's, he's God. He had the whole plan laid out, but it's still, um, it still cost something. Yeah. And, um, because it costs something for God, ultimately at the end, it's going to cost something for us. Like what's the cost of discipleship? Jesus asked us, you know, count the cost before you commit. And I think that that's true for healing too, because I think a lot of the times I'll just speak from my own personal journey. For me, it's been hard to accept healing because I've been sick for so long that I'm scared of what healing is going to look like. Yeah. And it, and that's not something that a lot of people like to admit, yeah. you know? Um, and not only that, but there's a certain uh, fulfilling type of attention and pity that you get when you're sick Yep. that you can't get at any other point in time in your life for any other yep. reason. I think the yeah. same thing applies when you're grieving or going through trauma or anything and not to like yeah. speed through that healing process, but it's also easy to get stuck in the grief and in the trauma because yeah. of that pity. Like I know whenever my, my, my dad died, like, yeah, obviously grieving sucked and there was a good period of grieving time, but I have to say it was hard to let go of it. It was hard to let go of being the kid that people felt sorry for. Yeah. Because like that became part of my identity. It's very hard yeah. to let go of that that self-pity that comes with all of that gets really addictive. Yeah. And, uh, 
you know, as, as humans, I don't think that we like to admit to those things that we can be, we can be addicted to that, that self-pity and the pity that we receive from others. And so I think that that makes it really hard to be intentional about healing because it's so much easier to be passive and let people feel sorry for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I can't tell you how many artists I've, I've talked to, whether they do poetry songs, whatever it is where their art started from a place of anxiety or depression or thoughts of suicide. And that was their outlet was their art, but then God did heal them from those things. And then they felt like they had nothing else to offer with their art. So they had to make themselves go back into that thought process to try to write new songs or try to write new poetry. They had to try to make themselves sad again because they thought that was all they had to offer. Yeah. And yeah. Or, sometimes we don't know what to do without it. Yeah. Or on the flip side, I mean, I know a lot of artists that just won't get healed and won't work through their trauma yeah. with the Lord because they, it makes good art, Yeah, you know, it makes relatable art. And, um, you know, I think that's a very dangerous thing because I think that, I mean, the Bible is very clear that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And yeah. so getting healed and receiving that joy, I, I think God gets more glory when we get healed and we stay healed. Oh yeah than he does when we're when we then he does when we twist second corinthians 12 out of context and we say oh i'm going to stay weak forever and stay sick forever and he's going to be glorified in it like he'll be glorified in it but not as glorified as he would be if you let him heal you and show himself to be your strong tower and your shield and your fortress and and you actually knowing what his name means that he's he is your healer you know just something um, quick that popped in my head while you were talking is just the idea that we see in scripture whenever Moses hits the rock in, in, instead of speaking to the rock, the answer was still the same. God still gave his children water. Yeah. But Moses did not do what he was supposed to do. So just yeah. because we're seeing God doing things, just because we're seeing God answering these things, doesn't mean that we're necessarily doing things the way we're supposed to be doing them. (laughs) Yeah. God is still God and God doesn't rely on us to do the things that we're going to do like in that way. But people would say, well, they still got water. So what I did worked just the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude. So <laughs> it's funny we're talking about this. So I actually taught on the character of God. I'm still teaching on it, but specifically the first time God reveals his character by his own words is in Exodus 34 verses six through seven. And it says the Lord uh, covered Moses's eyes and then passed Moses by and said, the Lord, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, full of steadfast love and faithful, um, you know, to each, each generation forgiving the sins, transgressions and iniquities, uh, but by no means, uh, letting the guilty off the hook. Yeah. Right. And, uh, I mean, at this point I'm paraphrasing, but, um, the word gracious there in the old Testament is a very interesting word because in the new Testament, I know a lot of times you like to say grace is free. We can't earn it. Uh, but it's not something that we deserve, but the old Testament would actually say otherwise. In fact, God was gracious towards Moses because Moses was the most righteous and perfect man. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Moses. I'm sorry. Noah was the most righteous and perfect man of that time period. Yeah. And so Noah was able to receive God's grace, not because 
he didn't deserve it, but because God deems that he did deserve it. Yeah. This, the same with Job. And um, I think, you know, grace is a gift no matter what. Sometimes it's a gift that we, we earned. Sometimes it's a gift that we didn't earn. And I think one of the things when it comes back to identity and figuring all this stuff out and being intentional about our healing is maturing Yeah, as Christians, because we need to recognize the difference between God blessing us because we, uh, we were obedient, you know, for lack of a better term, we earned it. Right. But we only, at this point as Christians, we only earn it because he empowered us to, right. So he's yes. still at the basis of everything. It's not yeah. like we could do it on our own. Definitely. Um, so we need to recognize the difference between him giving us grace, a gift because we were obedient and then him giving us a gift or his grace because he's kind and he's trying to lead us towards repentance. Yeah. Because in, in Romans, I think it's chapter two, verse four, it says that the kindness of God mm-hmm. actually leads us to repent. And um, there's a limit to what he can give those who are disobedient and unrepentant. Yeah. Um, whereas for those who are in Christ and are obedient, every promise of God is yes and amen. Right. Yeah. So, and that's not to say that like we drop into this weird, prosperity gospel thing because i don't believe in that stuff but we do want to be truthful and factual as to what scripture says and when scripture says that god will prosper us we can't be afraid to say that um you know and when scripture says that god will not prosper us because we're disobedient (laughs) yeah you can't be afraid to throw that out there either you know um if we're doing this right we're we're slightly offending both <laughs> yeah. both the, the the camp that's the health and wealth gospel, but also the camp that's like we should be poor and sick all the time. Cause that is a, that is a yeah. definite oh, like Christian for camp. Sure. For sure. Yeah. I think with any belief, the people that take it to the extreme kind of screw it up for everybody. Yeah. So we'll, I even hate, <clears throat> I even hate that when I start talking about the character of God being a good God, I have to spend 10 minutes explaining that I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel message. Yeah. Like I shouldn't have to spend <laughs> 10 minutes Six. saying all that stuff, but people are already like, Oh, here he goes again. Uh, he's going to say, if, if, if you're good enough, or if God really loves you, then $10,000 is going to be in your bank account tomorrow especially if you sow into his ministry, then you'll get even more because that's the way that works. And I have to spend so much time explaining that. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God is a good God in the way that he knows what we need, even when we don't know what we need Yeah, and that he's not going to give us something that's like what I ask high school kids um, or even older people now, like what if God actually gave you everything that you prayed for? Like, like us, we're older now looking back through our teenage years. What if God gave you the things that you thought you wanted when you were 15 years old? Like, what if God actually gave you those things? (laughs) My life would not look like it does right now. I would, no, I would, I would be playing in some crappy metalcore band touring the country. (laughs) When metalcore has basically died out as a genre and then you wouldn't know what to do with yourself. But I still wouldn't stop. I would still be playing. Crap core music. <laughs> There's still bands out there doing it, man, making a bunch of money. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you, man, especially when it comes to how many Bible verses, both in the Old and New Testament, that talk about the goodness of God. Mm. Um, 
to some degree, I think being intentional about your healing uh, means being intentional about getting rid of bad doctrine. Yeah. And for sure. Um, not being triggered by bad doctrine just because a phrase comes up that's that could be considered yep. in that doctrine. Um, just gonna say one of the big things I've been trying to do this year is purposefully read books that I think is going to have doctrine or theology that I do not agree with. And that leaves me to figure out why I don't agree with it. And if I can't answer why I don't agree with it, then I need to do more studying. Um, I don't want to just say that I don't agree with something because it's being taught in some way that I've never heard before, or um, just because it's contradictory to what I thought I believed. I want to be able to back it up with scripture and back it up with what I know of the character of God to say, no, this is unbiblical. Or maybe the way that I was thinking before was unbiblical because I know for so, for so long, if I saw any book or podcast or anything that I'm like, I like the idea, but they're definitely going to have stuff that I don't agree with. I would kind of just skip over it, but now I'm trying to intentionally read those things and hear those things. And when I hear something I disagree with, I need to figure out why. Yeah. Um, And with what you were talking about, about knowing the, the, the character of God, but also knowing that, you know, not that sickness necessarily comes from God, but we can be holding on to things that keep us from getting the healing that we need. Um, Definitely. And when we look at the character of God, knowing we are made in the image of God, we should also know that's, that should be our character. Like we should be striving for that character. Like one of the biggest things that I say when I try to sum up a teaching on identity, identity in a very quotable way, I guess, for like um, lack of a better term is if scripture says we are made in the image of God, when we think of the character of God, what do we think of? And people normally say things like forgiving, good, uh, and just a bunch of good things about the character of God, because that's what we know. And then to say something that normally makes at least two or three people think, oh my gosh, I've never thought of that. If it's not of God, it's not of us. Yeah. So if you think of the character of God and you don't think of thoughts of suicide or, uh, you know, anger, that's not righteous or any of like, if it's not of God, then it's not of us. And if we're holding on to those things, that's probably where a lot of our issues are coming from. Like there are so much, there's so much that can go wrong with us physically just from hanging on to bitterness. Yeah. Like, and that's psychologically proven at this point. That's okay. not even like, let's say if the Bible, let's say if the Lord, that's like, Hey, science is starting to study out some things that the Bible has talked about for years. Maybe we should have listened. Yep. <laughs> you yep. know? Um, yeah, man, I, I think. So one of the verses I always go to in order to sum all that stuff up is in first John four, where it's talking about um, how God loves us. We should love others the same way that, you know, God loves them. And, God loves us. And at the end of the chapter, John says this really, he writes this really outrageous thing. 
he says, just as he is, Jesus is who he's talking about, just as he is, so are we in this world. Um, so many churches and, now would stop you and say unbiblical. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, I'm not saying that I am Christ, but I'm saying that I'm made to be, he's, he's not saying that we are Christ. Yes. He's saying that we are made to be like him. We're made in his image and we should be flowing in that same power. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think too, and this is the continuationist in me coming out, but <clears throat> I think one of the reasons why we don't see spiritual gifts, including the gift of healing in churches a lot of times is because we skip over chapter 13 and first uh, Corinthians 14, one, where it talks about love and in first Corinthians 14, one, it actually says, you know, um, follow after love and pursue spiritual giftings. Like he's connecting the two. Yeah. And so sometimes I wonder, and this obviously isn't a one size fits all thing for every church, but sometimes I wonder if the churches that don't see enough spiritual giftings or don't believe in them, um, if some of them don't see them and don't believe in them because they don't love well enough, they don't understand God's character and and how God loves and what that's supposed to look like. Um, Whether it's because there's not enough discipline in the church or, or whether it's because there's too much and people are, people are too harsh. Um, You know, cause you, again, there's that, you have to find that balance between the two. Um, You know, God only disciplines us because he loves us, but but and I was talking to uh, a friend of mine about this the other day. We were talking about our kids and disciplining them. And, um, you know, she was having trouble with hers. And I don't really have too many issues with my son. I mean, my son yeah. is great and I'm very proud of him. And he's like two in two months and he's just amazing. Like, I, I just love him so much. And uh, we don't have many problems with him. And, and I'm the disciplinarian um, between his mother and I. And I said, you know, uh, when we discipline our kids, it's supposed to be in such a way that it, it might hurt their feelings depending on where they're at, but it should leave them in a position where it's easier to be hopeful and yeah. to conquer what life is throwing at them. Yep. And she kind of looked at me for a second and she was like, really? And I said, yeah. And I think I think the reason why the, the father is supposed to do that in the Bible is because the father, it, when he does it correctly, can do it in such a way that it really uh, provides a place of, of safety and hope for the, for the child. Yeah. And she was like, man, that must be, you know, she said, that must be why I don't get things a lot of times and why I'm so scared of it. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, well, my father really wasn't around. And when he was, he was kind of abusive. So there yeah. wasn't a lot of that. And, and so I think we take our personal um, experiences. And, and I think a lot of the reason sure. why this is so hard for some people is because we, you know, we talked about this in the last time we got together, we project a lot of that stuff onto the father and yeah. don't expect him to be good or to give us hope, you know? Yeah. And um, we don't know what it means to experience perfect love Yeah, because if we haven't had that, you know, experience with God, then we have never experienced perfect love. Like, I don't care if like someone tells me I had the best parents in the world growing up. Like they were the best. We're still best friends. You still haven't experienced perfect love and you would still project that onto God. Yeah. Well, first John four goes right back to that, right? Like says that perfect love is from God and on all those who have been perfected in love, uh, 
or all those who know the love of God are, have been perfected in love and that uh, perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with torment. Yeah. And all those who still fear or are tormented, the reason why they do that is because they haven't been perfected in that love yet. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I do, I do want to say that because of the way that God designed families to be, there is a certain amount of that perfect love from the father that we do get to experience with our parents because they're supposed to represent God to us, yes. but we don't get all of it. We don't yes. get the fullness of it unless yes. we have our own relationship with, with the father. Yes. And I think too, uh, this goes back to the fact that a lot of people um, think that God, that think that the father is the judgmental one mm-hmm. in the relationship um, because they don't, necessarily read what jesus is saying when he's saying it um you know because jesus is actually the one that's going to come in like at the end for the for the the evil people right jesus is the one that sets them on fire and kills them right and jesus is the one who also said that uh i'm the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me so he's not even saying that our relationship needs to be with him necessarily we pray in his name but our relationship is with the father because yeah. he said that no one has seen or heard the father except the son, which means, yeah. and especially if Jesus is the word of God made flesh, right? The only way that God communicated with people in the old Testament was through his words. Yep. And then you have the idea of theophanies, pre-incarnations of Jesus showing up. Yeah. The God that we know in the old Testament isn't, yeah, isn't the father at all. It's, yeah. it's Jesus. It's Yeshua. Um, the the uh, very first time I had that thought of, Huh. God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. Jesus walked in the garden with Adam. And, and like, it's mind blowing. If you like yeah. spend time, like if you, and I wasn't taught that stuff growing up. Yeah. But like it's incredible to think about. Yeah. That's awesome. So much of what we have talked about just comes to when we have a better understanding of the character of God, when we have a better understanding of scripture, then it's easier to walk in these things. It's easier to just like this, you know, the whole thing that we started with, she put her hands on Jesus to receive the healing because she believed Jesus was the answer to the Torah. And Jesus was the answer to the prophets. Jesus was the answer to all of this, all of her problems. She believed. So if she could just put her hand on Jesus, she would receive the healing. And if we don't know, the character of God. If we don't know the promises of scripture, then there's no way that we can walk in those things. There's no way that we can operate in those things. And as we've already talked about through most of this podcast, if we believe that um, God isn't going to heal us, then we're not going to seek after that healing. If we believe that this sickness is something from God, then we're not going to seek that healing. And we're not going to seek what we need to do to build our character to receive the healing. Cause I'm not going to yeah. say just because we don't like, she got her healing instantly in this story. Yeah. But if we really think about it, it, it was a 12 year process. She did not get her healing. instantly. <laughs> we just yeah. come in at the point of the story where she does get the healing instantly, but it was a 12 yeah. year process. Um, yeah. So, I think, can I add to that for a second? Yes, definitely. So I've heard a lot of, uh, continuationist pastors and preachers preach on the suddenlies of God. Um, and then God suddenly like came in and, uh, and healed this person or or provided this financial miracle or this or that or whatever. And 
Um, man, I love those messages because they're such faith builders. But one yeah. thing that they forget to talk about is the process of getting to the suddenly. Yeah. Because the suddenlies were interest gained from things that were done in the past. Yep. You know, 12 years of seeking healing and seeking God and, and gaining that character, gaining the trust of him is such a big deal. Yeah. And she um, still and believed. I, right. Right. Um, she didn't give up hope. And so, and that's one thing that like in our day and age, I mean, they're just, I think one of the biggest things that we miss a lot of times is hope. I think a lot of yeah. people have a lot of faith. I think a lot of people have a lot of love in the church. I think we miss out on hope because of how the world just brings about so much disappointment. And I think, um, if we look at Romans five, all that we endure should build hope in us. Yeah. Not take it away. Um, and I think that she would be, you know, we, we'd have to read into this some, right. Cause it doesn't exactly explain what her 12 year process looks like, but I would venture to say that she's a great example of what, what endurance building hope looks like yeah. in the long run. Yeah. And to even like, I don't know, add on to her story that just things that we don't know, but it's okay to speculate like, 12 years of being titled unclean means that if she had a child, she didn't get to hug that child for 12 years. If she had yeah. a husband, she didn't get to spend time with him for like, she was isolated for 12 years, but she yeah. still kept the hope that God wanted better for her. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's a perfect picture of being intentional. So on kind of an ending note, uh, and I'm going to ask you something as well, but on kind of an ending note for me, um, as I've said multiple times throughout this podcast, and I'll say probably most every other podcast is I tend to approach things with the mindset of a teacher because that's what I'm passionate about. And yeah. so my, my takeaway from what it looks like to be intentional is, and I hope this r- relates to someone is just knowing the word is not enough yeah. that I could m- memorize all the scripture that could fit in my head and I could quote things all day about how God is a healer and how God is a good God. But if those things are not evident in my character, then I haven't done anything with the things that I know. So yes, it is important that we have to know the character of God. We have to study the words of God. We have to spend time in scripture, but all of that doesn't really add up to much. If it doesn't get past something, we just know it has to, you know, from more of a cliche statement, it has to make its way from our head to our heart into who we actually are. So um, on this topic, I know we've hit a bunch of topics while we've been talking. What would your takeaway be? Sounding repetitive, but I I think it's important that we come to understand and know God's character. Yeah. Um, Because ultimately that's, what's going to change us. And it's going to bring about the healing and build faith and hope in us. And and I don't know if we can do that to the fullest extent. If all we do is study the new Testament and what the reformers say about who God is. Yeah. Because I mean, I do think that they understand God to some degree, but I think that it's uh, the more I study, the more it's become prevalent to me that, studying the old Testament in the right context in order to understand the new yeah. from a Jewish perspective has completely revolutionized the way that I think about God. And I think that we need to move away from 
I think, well, I won't say we need to move away from, I think we need to move towards more Jewish perspectives on both the old and the new Testament, because they're all written by Jews. They're not yeah. written by Europeans. Yeah. You know, they weren't written by Augustine or Martin Luther or John Calvin or Arminius or, you know, um, any number of the reformers. Yeah. They were written by Jews who understand, who understood Jewish culture and had the Torah memorized by the time they were 13. For sure. Right. And, um, and so God reveals himself to us as a, you know, Jesus reviews, reveals himself to us as a very Jewish, Jewish God. And if we miss that, then we're missing a part of his character that we can't find anywhere else. Yeah. I, I would say that that would be like my biggest takeaway from our discussion today is, is coming to know the character of God in the context that God initially revealed himself and continues to reveal himself. Um, because all the new Testament is all based on the old. I mean, I mean, <laughs> the cross references on some of these maps oh, that yeah. people are putting out now is ridiculous. And so we can't even rightly say that if we understand the new Testament, we understand the old Yeah, because the old Testament came first and it's what the new Testament is based off of. Right. Yeah, so it's like, for sure. I think we need to understand the, the old Testament better and uh, embrace the mystery of, of how much of it there is and embrace yeah. the weirdness of it. Um, so that we can grow. I don't want to say necessarily the right way, but I would say in a fuller way. Yeah. Grow even more. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And maybe that's something that we can spend the next few podcasts that, that me and you do uh, kind of talking about the old Testament. And I want to end with this. So we don't actually have to get into this talk, but I want to throw (laughs) this out there. So we kind of force ourselves to do this. Um, one of the things I really want to talk about from the old Testament, and I think maybe next time we can do this in a couple of weeks is what it looks like to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Um, cause I think we hit on that today Yeah, and I want to dive deeper into that. So yeah, we'll end with that as always. Um, there will be an email address in the description where if you need prayer or anything, feel free to send us an email and, uh, Thank you guys for listening and um, yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Outward Conversation podcast. Please join us next time and we'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, comments, or if there's any way that we can pray for you, please send us an email at outwardconversation at gmail.com.